everyone, and here we are in 2024. Um, we are starting a new series to start the new year out, and we're actually going to be looking at Matthew chapter 9, and we're looking at this idea of restored, that maybe for you 2023 was difficult, and you're looking at 2024, and you're wanting some restoration, you're wanting a fresh start, something new. Well, uh, as many of you know, we, we've been on this journey in Matthew for quite a while now. We went through Matthews 5 through 8. We started, and then uh, around November time, we had a Christmas series, and then now we're back into Matthew chapter 9, talking about restored. And if you notice the picture there, um, that part of the, the graphic behind that as you look at your programs is there's, a, there's a, a particular Japanese art form of pottery where they, they take broken pieces of pottery and they glue them back together. But with the glue, they infuse gold into the glue so that it creates this beautiful art piece. And not only is the, the pottery, the pot actually stronger with this particular glue, it's actually more beautiful. And it's a picture of this series of restoration that so many of you have been broken and you're hurting and yet God wants to, he wants to fuse you back together, but not only just fuse it, he wants to make you more beautiful and stronger. And so that's kind of the picture behind the, the series graphic there. Uh, as we, we jump into Matthew chapter 9, let me pray for our, the word today. Father, thank you for your word, that it's true, that, Lord, it's, it reveals your love for us. God, would you speak through your word this morning? And God, would you touch each and every life? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we're going to be starting on uh, uh, talking about a guy who was paralyzed. And so they have the, he's got these four friends, and they bring him to Jesus. And I think about the, this picture of being paralyzed. And many of us can't, like, relate to the idea of being paralyzed. But I know that I worked for a guy who was a quadriplegic for six years of my life. And so through college and even after college, I was his in-home caretaker and it was, uh, I had a lot of compassion for the man because he was super smart. I mean, he was really intellectual, but he couldn't use any of his limbs. And so he was dependent on me for everything. In fact, I would drive him downtown. I would drive him places. In fact, and, and, and this is kind of just a picture of how helpless he was. One day, um, I was driving him, and I had to stop the car, and I had to get out of the car while he was still in it in order to get something. Well, when I got out of the car to go grab what I was getting, I heard a shout from the car, Billy, we're moving! And next thing you know, I look, and he's in the car. The car's moving. I'm not in the car. I start running after the car because I'm like, he's going to crash. And I jump in. I hit the brake. And that's why my wife thinks I'm not a good driver. Um, <laughs> but I just thought about like, like some of the interactions that I had with this guy. And, and I would come to, to get him dressed. I would bathe him. I would fix him food. 
I would do everything that you and I take for granted every single day. And one morning I came to, to get him up out of his wheelchair, into, into his wheelchair and, and he said, oh, Billy, I had this dream that I was pole vaulting, that I was a runner and I, I pole vaulted and I was flying through the sky and I was just thinking, wow. And it just broke my heart, right? And so I, I, I want to share that story with you just to give you a little bit of context and a picture into this particular guy who was paralyzed in the Bible. If you have your Bibles in Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 9, we're gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and read through the entire story, and then we'll break it down. The Bible says that Jesus stepped into a boat. He crossed over and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this point, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up, went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to man. And so I, I look at that picture of this paralyzed man, and he had these friends. Now, uh, Mark describes four friends. And so we know that there were four of these guys that were bringing their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And before we start, because we're going to be talking about friendship in a big way. We're going to be talking about community. Uh, before we do, I want us to all put ourselves in the shoes of, of the paralyzed man. That we all have some sort of paralysis. And, and they, it says that uh, the, the man was lying on a mat. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a picture of this mat here, because in those days, it would have been about a three foot by six foot mat. And some of you were like, saw this yoga mat on the stage. And we're like, are we doing yoga for church? This is my, this is my mat that I, um, and so imagine this is, this is his mat. This is where he lives. This is where he stays. But this also represents his pain. It repre represents his brokenness, his disconnect from society, his disconnect from people, his, his pain and his bitterness maybe and, the, and, the, and the, the anger and the injustice at the fact that he can't walk when everyone else around him can. And, and we all come with a mat, all of us are paralyzed. And maybe today your paralysis comes from being afraid. You're fearful for the future and you don't know what's going to happen. Maybe your paralysis or your mat looks like depression or anxiety and it's crippling and you just can't even move because you have this emotional pain in your life. Maybe your mat looks like bitterness and unforgiveness. You know, uh, we were praying this morning and that theme just kept coming up of like, you know, many of you have been hurt. And that hurt festers in our heart if we don't forgive others. And as a result of that, it can leave us paralyzed in our souls. And so what is it in your life right now? And, and we all come into this community and we all have brokenness and we all have pain and we all 
have a mat that we carry. And yet, what do we, what do we need? We need friends alongside us who are willing to carry us on our mat to Jesus, the only one who can, who can really save us, the only one that can heal us, the only one that can help us. And so I would love to, 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 to say, can we become a, a, a roof-crashing, mat-carrying group of people? Where it's, we're a community where we actually care deeply. That the comp- we see the brokenness in people's lives, and it doesn't just move us towards sympathy. It moves us towards compassion, where we actually do something about it. Where there's this commitment, no matter what the cost, I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to bring you to Jesus, no matter what you're going through, and, and no matter what it takes that we would have that kind of heart and that kind of community here at the bridge. So, so what the, I titled this is how to be a roof-crashing community at the bridge because um, as, as we just read Matthew chapter 9, Mark adds another detail to the story. The Bible says that these friends actually dug a hole in the roof where Jesus was teaching at because there was so many people in the house, it was packed out, and they couldn't bring their friend through the crowd, so they they figured out how to, to dig a hole. And those are the kind of friendships I pray that we would develop here at the bridge. And so how do we become a roof-crashing community here at the bridge? If you're taking notes, the first point is this. Is to, uh, we'd have compassion to carry others' mats. We'd have compassion to carry others' mats. Now, if you see somebody that's hurting, they're depressed, they, experience, they, they have some sort of addiction, you hear about their situation. What's your first response? Is it judgmentalism? Is it the sense of like, well, they made their decisions, they made their bed, they have to lie in it. You know, they're getting what they deserve. Is that your heart, this judgmental attitude? Or is it compassion? And yeah, people do make bad choices. And, and yes, they are experiencing the, the consequences of those decisions. But is your heart in the sense of compassion that if I could, I would, or I might just jump in and help. Well, look at the passage here in Mark chapter nine, verse two. It says, some men brought to him a a paralyzed man lying on a mat, lying on a mat. And you think about these friends and they, they see their paralyzed friend and can I just tell you in my experience with working with a quadriplegic that he had a whole range of emotions on any given day in terms of, of, of even my help. You know, I'd come in there and, and my goal in there was to help him out because I had compassion. Well, there were times when he would push me away. There would be times per, just, and I, and I knew it wasn't personal, but he was going through so much pain that he was pushing. And sometimes people are so broken and hurting that they're doing this. They're like, I don't want your help. And these friends are moved and like, we don't know of this, this particular guy lying on the mat, the paralyzed guy, that he was saying, well, guys, don't even, don't even try. No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm hopeless. I don't even want your help. We don't know, but we know this, is that these four friends, they were determined, and they, they saw this man hurting, and they said, we are going to get him to Jesus. And they had compassion. A true friend will, will see your difficult situation and be moved with compassion. It says, um, 
I love this, this passage in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. Well, that word there, burden, means it's an, a burden that's overwhelming and crushing and too much for one person to carry. And so what does that burden look like in somebody's life? Yeah, that burden can look like an addiction, this giving into temptation, and there's this constant state of condemnation and, and shame that they feel. And they don't want to go back to that addiction, but they just keep going. Guess, guess what? People get into those situations where they need a community to come alongside. Uh, you know what a, a, a big um, kind of thing that many people are going through is, is grief, loss. Maybe you lost somebody in this past year and you're still going through that and you're processing it and it's so painful. Um, I got together with a friend, an old friend, for lunch at In-N-Out on Friday. And we, as we sat there eating our double-doubles, triple-doubles, whatever, you know, the, the, whatever you can order off the, the In-N-Out secret menu, uh, I just listened you see, he began to describe to me, because he was actually his mom's caretaker as well in the last year of her, her life, he began to describe to me the progression of how she continued to get worse, and as tears started to flow in his eyes, he just started to share that. And guess what I didn't do? I didn't give him any scriptures to, to, to kind of ease the pain. I, I didn't tell him, oh, it's just going to get better. What I did in that moment is I literally just sat with him as he grieved. See, maybe that's, that's the kind of compassionate friend where you just sit there with somebody. You know, one of the most compassionate things you can do for somebody that's hurting and broken and, and grieving over loss is to not say a, a word. It's just to sit there with them. And just let them know that your presence and your support and you're there. And so what does it look like for you? You know, Ecclesiastes has a, a great verse in here on friendship. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. You imagine being in a position where you, you're fallen and, and you have no one there to help you up? Well, how can you help somebody up? Maybe for you it's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give them a phone call. I'm gonna invite them out to in and out We're gonna get, grab a burger and we're gonna catch up and we're gonna hear a story of, of their grief. Uh, maybe you text them. Maybe you're just a shoulder to cry on. You know, what does it look like for you? Maybe for you, it's just praying. You say, I'm just gonna, I know you live on the East Coast and I'm on the West Coast, but I'm gonna be committed to praying for you over the next months. And so we just, that, that compassion moves us. Well, the story continues on. And if we wanna become a, a roof crashing community here at the bridge, number two, we have to have an unwavering commitment no matter what the cost. A commitment to our friends, no matter what the cost. Matthew chapter nine, verse two. Jesus saw their faith. He said to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. I love this part of the story because as Jesus sees their faith, it doesn't say 
Jesus saw the faith of the man who was paralyzed on the, on the mat. He actually sees the faith of this guy's friends. And, and he says, hey, take heart, your sons, sins are forgiven. And I'm looking at that like they were committed. And I just, oh my goodness, I, I was... Um, I was talking to a, a guy last night after pickleball, and, and uh, he just, you know, he's kind of living a life totally apart from Christ. And I started sharing with him this story about friendship and community because he was asking me about what I was talking about. And I said, I was like, I was just thinking, the Bible, guys, is so alive. It is so exciting. Sometimes people will go, oh, the Bible is boring. I just read these stories. No, no, no. Think about this. They, they get their friend on the, they get their friend on the mat, and they're taking him. They get to the house, and it is crowded. Like, there's people spilling out the back door. And Jesus is teaching, and you've got the Pharisees who are in the front row, and they've got their hands crossed like this. And literally, they go, okay, we can't get our friend to Jesus. So they have four friends. And I just started picturing in my mind this group of friends and you've got the leader of the group. Like, hey, guys, we got to figure this out. We're going to gather together. And you got the leader taking charge, right? Then you've got the engineer. And the engineer is, he's problem solving in his mind right now. He's going, okay, how can we figure this out? We can get him this, you know. And then you've got the dreamer. You know, and he's kind of a little carefree, but he's got a ton of faith. He's like, man, we can do this, you know, and he's just chilling. He's loving. And then you've got the skeptic. And the skeptic's like, this is never going to work. You ever have that in a group or a friend or a team, you know? It's never going to work, but I'm going to do it. Anyway. I'll, be, I'll be committed anyways, right? And so you've got the, the engineer. They're going to, what they do, the Bible says, I'm just going to read it to you. Um, Mark chapter 4, it says this. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man, uh, the man in the mat that he was lying on. What? So many houses in those Jewish villages, they had um, a stairwell that would go up to the roof of the house. And the roof of the house would serve as a little bit of a balcony or even kind of sometimes like a living space. And, and roofs were not made out of the tiles that we have. They were made out of pieces of reed and branches and mud and dirt. And so, so it was literally, they could dig through the roof. So if anybody thinks the Bible's boring, imagine this with me. These guys are digging. They, they first of all have to carry their paralyzed friend to the roof. Then you've got four sets of hands. They're digging in the roof, kind of like when you're a little kid and you're digging through the sand. They're getting, Jesus is teaching. He starts having pieces of the roof falling on his head. Can you, this is crazy. And so these guys install a spontaneous, you know, light, one of those lights that you install on the roofs, and here you have this man. Now, I don't know exactly the details of how they lowered this guy down, because I'm thinking, like, how did you do that? I mean, honestly, like, did, did you just be like, hey, Jesus, I know you're strong, just, we're gonna drop him on three, you know, like, I did, they didn't say that. <laughs> I would have probably done that, that's probably why I'm not in the story, but... They somehow devise, I don't know, a pulley system or some ropes, and they figure out, and they bring this guy to Jesus. 
no matter what the cost. Man, well, there was some major risk there, right? They risk offending this group of people that are listening to Jesus teach them. They risk offending a homeowner that's like, I don't have homeowner's insurance, dude. Like, what do you, what do you, why? Uh, I was thinking about that. That's where you get the, you know, um, you're in good hands with all state, you know, because they're, I mean, anyways, I'm just kidding, sorry. Um, but I just, they, they, they risk offending Jesus. Think about that. Jesus, the rabbi, who is, who's got this crowd of people, but Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He, he, he says, wow, he sees their faith. He sees their faith. And so, guys, if we want to have strong friendships, if we want to have community here at the bridge, it is going to require a cost. It's going to require commitment. It's going to require us to sometimes leave our own comforts and our own desires to look out at the needs of our friends to be able to meet those needs. And that's exactly what they do, no matter what the cost. Uh, unfortunately, you guys, in, in our culture, I, I do think, though, there's so many things that distract us from healthy community. I mean, we, we live in very divisive times. We live in very heated times where if somebody disagrees with us, we just say, hey, adios, I'm out of here. I don't, I don't want to be part of this friendship. Uh, we have distractions. You know, one of the biggest distractions that we have to community is this. I mean, this is it. Like, we, we think that these, this is supposed to connect us more to people, and it probably gets us more connected in a very small way, but it doesn't connect our souls to people. Like, we need to be face-to-face, eye-to-eye, voice-to-voice, there in each other's presence. That's important. And so there's so many things in our culture that are pulling us away from community. That's why we need to have a commitment and say, I am going to be committed to these two people or these three people in the new year. I'm going to write their names down, and I'm going to invest in that relationship. And so that's exactly what these friends do with Jesus. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. And so if you want to be a, a roof-crashing friend who brings people to Jesus, that's exactly what you have to do is you have to connect your friend to Jesus. And so a roof-crashing friend is someone who's connecting your friend to Jesus. Matthew 9, 2, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And, you know, um, I love how these guys, they know that this friend, even beyond physical healing, they know this guy needs Jesus more than anything. And we can do a lot of nice things for our friends, but the only one that can heal the only one that can forgive is somebody, is, is, really, is really Jesus. And, you know, I was thinking about this in my own life because as a pastor, I think sometimes people put pastors on a pedestal and they say, well, you're a pastor and you teach the word of God and so you must not have issues in your life. 
Well, can I share with you guys a story uh, back in 2018 when I needed friends more than ever? And I needed a community of, of roof crashers in my life. And I remember being in a state where I had experienced depression and anxiety for the first time in my life, and it really paralyzed me. It was a, it was a difficult situation. And you know what the sad part of it was? Some people in the church were like, well, we can't handle a pastor who's got weaknesses. And they bailed. But you know what it did? It strengthened our church because it actually brought people into a, a stronger relationship. And I had some roof-crashing friends that were just there for me, to pray with me, to be able to share, to hear some of my grief and some of my sadness. And, and they were there for me. And I just remember, like, in that moment and in that season, even though God was pruning, God was building a stronger community of people. And so I stand up here with my own mat, you guys, still, still wrestling. I, I still have to pray and God's still sanctifying my life and he's still working in my heart and he's still bringing me to a, a place of maturity. And so I come as your And that's why let this be a place and a community and a culture here where you don't have to be perfect to walk through those doors. You don't have to have it all together. In fact, on the contrary, Jesus says, come and bring your brokenness. Bring your shame, bring your guilt. You know, this guy, the Bible says that he says, your sins are forgiven. And somebody once asked, hey, what kind of sins can a, a guy on a mat, a paralyzed guy actually have in his heart? That's exactly what it is. You see, he probably didn't have some of the sins that people struggle with here, but he actually probably does because think about that. The things that he struggled with were the things were in his heart. Maybe he struggled with bitterness. Maybe he, he, he struggled with lust. Maybe he struggled with jealousy. Imagine the jealousy he would feel. Hey, everyone else here can walk and I can't walk. And so Jesus knew what his greatest need was. And his greatest need was not to be able to walk. His greatest need was for the forgiveness of God in his life. And that's exactly what happens here. Verse three, at, at this point, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I say to you, to, uh, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And by the way, this is just another picture, an, another story, another evidence that Jesus is God. He has the authority to forgive sins. And this would be the very first confrontation with the Pharisees, the very first of many that he would have. Uh, essentially, that's why Jesus was crucified on the cross. That was because, because of blasphemy, that he was, he was considering himself God, which we know he is and he proved to be. But these Pharisees didn't like it. They didn't like the fact that he's healing people and he's, he's forgiving people. And so the Bible says in verse seven, or he says, uh, so he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. Can you imagine that? He just, he literally, I, I imagine he just parts the crowd. He just walks right through the crowd and everybody's just standing in amazement. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to man. Oh my goodness. I love this verse, you guys, 
because it, it shows the picture of how powerful and how loving and how compassionate Jesus is. And, and, and when people, when Jesus is in a community, when, she, when Jesus is in our church, which he is, you know what's gonna happen even more? We're gonna hear people just praising. They're gonna be awe-inspired. They're gonna be absolutely amazed. Why? Because God is amazing. When, we, when he does something miraculous, when he changes a life and he changes a heart, when he connects somebody that has been isolated and disconnected because of their circumstances to another human being, and there's this soul and this heart connection between two people that God causes to happen, that's awe-inspiring when relationships and friendships are developing and communities happening, and God gets all the glory. And so I'm so excited for this next year, guys. I'm excited for all the groups. See, we don't just want to play church here. We don't want to say, well, we just have a group for this period. We have group here. No, no, no. Each and every group has a purpose. And that purpose, obviously, is to grow closer in our relationship with Jesus Christ and to grow closer in our relationship with others. And so I'm praying that in 2024, that we would, you would get connected to a, a men's group, a women's group, to the youth group, to um, we, have, we have a young adults group here. We've got a young marrieds group here. And you know what I'm praying for? And we have a couple small groups in the church. I'm praying that we can have more small groups in the church. And that would be a reflection of a deeper level of community. And so I, I, that's my, my prayer and my hope. Now, I started getting, I started thinking about this because as we're talking about friendship and community, Jesus is the best friend that we could ever have. Because Jesus didn't just have sympathy when he was in heaven and he was looking down on earth and he saw us, but he sees us in our our shame and he sees us in our guilt and he sees us in our brokenness. And his compassion, God's heart, his compassion moves Jesus from heaven to come down to earth. The incarnation, he walks amongst us, teaches us, loves us, forgives us, teaches us who God is. And then ultimately, he has a a commitment that knew no cost. And that commitment was he would go to a cross And he would sacrifice his life in your place for your sins. That he would take upon your shame, he would take upon your guilt, and he would sacrifice his life in your place so that you could be forgiven, so you can experience acceptance, and you can know the love of God. You talk about a good friend. Jesus is the best friend that we could ever have. And I think that these these roof-crashing friends that brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus, they were just a picture of what Jesus was gonna come and do for us on the cross. And so I'm excited today, guys, because we get to celebrate communion. And communion is, is really looking back to Jesus and when he died on the cross for our sins. And when he was in the upper room on that night that he was betrayed and, and crucified, on that, on that night... He's with his disciples, and he takes two pieces of the, of, the, of the meal. He takes the bread, and he said, this bread is my body broken for you. Do, and he, he goes, I want you to eat this in remembrance of me. And then he takes the cup, and he says, hey, this is my cup. This represents my blood, the blood of the new covenant, the blood of my grace. 
And he says, I want you to drink this in memory of me. And so um, if you are a, a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've put your faith in him, that we get to come to the communion table and we get to remember and we get to thank God for the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross. The cool thing also is we're talking about community. I love the fact we get to do this as a church. We get to do this as community. When Jesus was with his disciples, he didn't have this conversation one-on-one. -on -one. He did it within community, within his own group of disciples. And so it's powerful. So what I want you to do, actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray first. And I'm gonna pray today that if you've never put your faith in Jesus, that today would be the day. Maybe this is gonna be the first day that you actually take communion and you, you understand what he did for you. Um, and so I'm gonna pray for you. But after I pray, we have four tables set up around here with the bread and the cup. We're gonna have a song and then once that song is over, I want, I want you to take the bread and the cup, bring it back to your seat. And I want you just to, to, to maybe share with Jesus some of your brokenness. What is that mat that you're carrying today? What is some of that shame that keeps following you around? What's some of the brokenness and the bitterness and some of the abuse that's been done for, to you that's been hard to forgive, but you just wanna lay that at the feet of Jesus? Like you, I want you during this next song to do some business with God. And then we're gonna come back together after the song and we're gonna all take it together as a church, okay? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the story of these, these roof-crashing friends who were willing to bring their friend to you. I pray that that would be our culture here. That would be more that would take place here at the bridge, God, that we would bring our friends to you because you're the only one, God, that can really heal us and restore us. Father, I wanna pray right now Maybe they, somebody's here and they've experienced that guilt and that shame and they, they really need you. And maybe for the first time, Lord, they're saying, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I confess my sin to you and I receive your gift of forgiveness for my life. Now I wanna live my life for you. Lord, thank you that you are the best friend that we could ever have. And so, Lord, as we take communion together, God, that, Lord, you would um, help us to be able to lay down at your feet anything that we're carrying that we, can't, we shouldn't carry anymore, and that we would lay these things at your feet, and you would we would experience your healing and forgiveness and grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.